0: recapping all of the weekends. Well, NCAA and professional football, Colts get job. Well, officiating in the NFL stinks. Why? Because they wanted to get younger and more diverse. I'll give you the numbers. Don't At Me starts right now. Good morning and welcome. It is a beautiful Monday morning here in the great city of Indianapolis where we got hosed last night, and we're not even mad about it. I don't know. Maybe we just think that the Colts stinks. Let's get right to it. You know what? I have expressed my undying love, love, love for a man named Lamar Jackson, and for the most part this year, Lamar Jackson has let me down. He has. He hasn't been great. But not yesterday. My God, Lamar Jackson led the Ravens to a 38-6 win. Now, here's the deal. Now, I'm going to give you some numbers here. And this doesn't tell the story. And this is what I want to talk about. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. Look, 21-27, 357 yards, 13.2 yards per pass completion, three touchdowns, no interceptions, nine rushes, 36 yards, okay? But it isn't that. I swear to you, it isn't that. You know what it is? It's how he does it, how he escapes, how he uses his feet. That's what I love about the dude. And I'm sitting here in the great city of Indianapolis and I'm saying to myself, well, at some point, I think we got that guy and it's Anthony Richardson, but he's going to have to learn how to figure it out and get down. Lamar Jackson is pretty damn smart to get down. Let's go the other side of that. Dan Campbell's going to bite your kneecaps. Dan Campbell's going to be mad glad. Angry or sad, but, man, I guarantee he's pissed off today. His team didn't show up. I mean, look, I understand the Ravens played out of their minds and Lamar Jackson was very good, but there's another team out there, too. And if I'm Dan Campbell and his team has been a pleasant surprise, but his team also has to learn how to handle success, and that is not easy. It's not easy at all. The Ravens and their culture, like the Steelers, they're used to this. They're used to success. They're used to winning but the but the freaking lions are not and all of a sudden when you don't win and then you win guess what uh oh you got to handle the accolades you got to handle the focus you got to handle that game's over that deal's done let's go on to the next one it's what great teams great coaches and great players do it's not easy it's very very difficult we shall see what we shall see you know the old idea we got your attention well i got to tell you something if you are a Detroit lion player I would think yesterday got your attention and told you you're a long-ass way from doing something serious in this league other than just winning a couple of games. The Bears, I got an email, and I thank you for that. Anybody that wants to come at me, please feel free to do so at dandokich.com. I'll read them. I'll look at them. But you know what? Uh, guy was right. Tyson Baguette is the new quarterback. He's from Shepard. I said it was Division Three. Au contraire. It's Division Two where people actually get scholarships. And I thank our, our listener for sending that to me. Hey, look, I don't get mad when people correct me. I know I screw up. Hell, this is about entertainment. I'm not going to get every name right because, frankly, I don't want it. I just don't want it. I think it adds to the charm of the show. But I should get where they play. I should get Division Two from Division Three. I mean, hell, I've known this my whole life. So, Rick Squires, I got your email. Uh, and I appreciate it. Dan, like your show, but get some fact checkers, man. Shepard College is D2, not D3. Big difference. They are scholarship athletes. Plenty of D2 guys make it to the league. You are absolutely right. The one Division three guy that I can remember was a great tight end of the Seattle Seahawks and NCAA Division three champion Pete Metzlars of Wabash College. But other than that, you are absolutely right. Uh, McGint went 21-28, to 162 yards. But you know what? There was a feeling about him as I watched this game that, like, Chicago liked to play for him. Chicago was all in on this kid. And, look, I ain't mad about it. 24 yards rushing, a touchdown, no interceptions. J-Rod, Deontay Foreman was fantastic. Here's how I know Foreman was fantastic. My daughter asked me – we were having a beer – After we went and uh, did a 10-mile walk around the lake or around all this place, and I was about ready to die because, you know what, between being fat and having a bad knee, which, by the way, thank you, QC Kinetics, because I was able to make it only because of you, uh, and a bad everything, and guess what? We're having a beer. She's like, Dad, who do I pick up for fantasy? I told her two things. One wrong, Baker Mayfield, one right, Deontay Foreman. He was great, 89 yards, couple touchdowns, uh, caught a few balls, terrific. Chicago looked like a team. Uh, Big Cat, our friend at Barstool, says Chicago Bears are a playoff team with a bad record. We shall see what we shall see. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I submit to you this. I submit to you that the, and you know what, I, I, I hate for this to come out of my mouth, but I have such a dislike for officials, except for a couple that I know and I like and I talked to last night. I have such a dislike for basketball officials more so than anybody else. But NFL officials jobbed the beloved Colts yesterday. Look, I don't know. Uh, I understand they had a touching penalty after the two yards the Colts got on a strap a strip fumble that uh, DeForest Buckner picked up. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a bigger issue. Let me go to this. Every time a play is made, every single time you got to hold your breath, Because these clowns are sitting there throwing flags every time. It's like, come on. And don't you, I mean, don't you have to wait? So, Colts get the ball back under 40 seconds. Boom. Guess what? (sighs) Penalty. Touching beyond the two line minute. Uh, Whatever. Next play. Ball clearly overthrown. Damn near into the first row of the stands. Flag. Pass interference, ball moves to the one. PJ Walker stinks. I- I'm just telling you, he stinks. He absolutely stinks, the quarterback that played for the Browns. Now you're gonna tell me, well, he beat the Colts. You're right, I got nothing. But I was telling Lee and my daughter, there's no way they're getting this in there unless they get the fourth down and they can run it. And they got the fourth down and they could run it. You knew as soon as they were gonna run the ball, they were gonna get it in, but PJ Walker was horse but more than that, the officials sucked. And here's the situation. I put it out yesterday. And it's a fact, Jack. I've had NFL, former NFL officials on my shows, and they've all said the same thing. A few years ago, the NFL went for diversity, went for younger, went for women, went for the whole thing. We know the world that we live in, the whole thing. So what happened is this. 37% of NFL officials have less than five years' experience. 52% have less than 10 years' experience. Eight to ten years at the lower level is now what is common. You know what it used to be? It used to be 25 years. Good friend of mine, 23 years before he got in the league, he was good enough to hang in there 25 years. Now they said, "Screw it! We got to fast track these guys. We got to make the look better. We got women on the side. We got we we got diversity. We don't have experience. We don't have the best guys." So when you when you scroll through your Twitter today, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see a lot of people complaining about a lot of refereeing, and a lot of people are right about the refereeing. Fifty-seven, or excuse me, fifty-two percent, over half have less than ten years' experience. Thirty-seven, less than five. Honest to God, it was like a minimum before you had to work and work and work and bust your way up. You had to prove yourself for 20, 25 years. Smart-ass official, one guy's 24 years old, told my buddy, who's a long-time 25-year NFL official, he got to the league in four years. He told my buddy, who worked uh, 20 conference championship games, think he did a Super Bowl or two, well, he said, you must have not been any good. These idiots are entitled these idiots are inexperienced these idiots are not prepared and the the union is strong and the NFL made a pact with the union, let's get this diversity up, let's get younger, let's get basically old white guys out of there that have been doing a pretty good job. That's not to say they were perfect, but if you think the NFL's officiating was bad back then and not 100 times worse now, you're not paying attention. I gave you the numbers, and this isn't a secret. I mean, the NFL has said they need to be more diverse in all areas, so what do you think that means? You think that doesn't mean officials? You think that only means coaches? What do you think that means? What's wrong with you? Hey, look! I ain't mad at diversity, but I do know this: uh, when it is a problem or the officiating is a problem, you got to go to why. And the why is they don't have the best people doing it. They fast track younger. Let's get younger. Let's get women. Blah, 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 blah. I had the former head of NBA or uh, NCAA officials, John Adams, God rest his soul. Tell me there are nine women refereeing in NCAA basketball. Eight of them shouldn't be refereeing a seventh-grade game. So if you think that doesn't carry over to the NFL, you're crazy. Diversity, and we got to get younger. Just get the best people. Just get the best people. There's too much money at stake here. I understand you got to have a look. We all understand what the NFL is about, but it's crap. And it's killing your product. We're going to watch because we like to bet and we watch. There's no question. No question about it. But I tell you what, it is complete and utter crap. Ola. Uh, I guess reports of the demise of Bill Belichick are going, going, gone as the Patriots won. I'm going to talk about Belichick's alleged extension and what it really means coming up in a minute or two. And I gotta tell you, I don't feel bad anytime Ron Rivera loses. I used to like Ron Rivera of the Commanders. I did. I liked him. I thought he was a cool cat. He came on my show at Press Row during the Super Bowl. We're about the same age. I remember him with the Bears as a backup. He's a smart guy. Went to Cal when Cal mattered. And next thing you know, his team stinks. And so the commanders under Sam Howell score seven points. And then, of course, they got the big fat lineman. He's all mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two words for you, big fat lineman that's out there cussing all over TV. How about you play better? I'm sick of this, man. I'm sick of this man, at cussing and swearing, man. Hey, I got two words for you. As a great Bob Street bartender extraordinaire at Nick's English Hut, at Yogi's English, everywhere, said very simple, hey, how about you play better? What? Play better? That's not, we can't say that. We got to give a big smooch to players, don't we? We got to give them a smooch. I mean, players can't be told to play better. That's not right. Players are our gazdas. Players are the man, man. They're the guy. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Play better. Shut up and get a win. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's move to college foots. Now, I got to tell you, J.J. McCarthy's pretty damn good. I hate to admit it, but I'll tell you who's not having a good year. And good. I'm glad he's not having a good year because he's starting to give me gas. That's Caleb Williams of USC. Whenever anybody says, hey, look, I think I want to own the team. Really? You want to own the team? What? Your first-round pick and you want ownership in the team? Hey, I guess that's the new breed of cat. But that breed of cat, I don't like. I don't. I mean, you haven't done nothing. You know, guys that own the team put up money to own the team. Put up your own damn money. Don't take a salary and put up your money. If you're smart, you would do it, actually. But the fact of the matter is, uh, owning a team because you're a first-round pick, yeah, I got two words for you. You give me gas. That's Joe Biden-esque two words. But anyway, it was a walk-off kick by Utah. Kyle Winningham's team gets her done, and Lincoln Riley's catching all kind of hell. Like, I don't know. What's Lincoln Riley really done? I mean, he left to USC. Nobody's mad about that that has a brain. He took the star quarterback with him and his daddy. Nobody worries about that. If you have a brain, you understand it. But what you got to do is you got to beat some good teams. And that team just isn't very good, USC. Supposed to be. I mean, Caleb Williams is a generational talent. And now there are clowns in the media. I'm not going to mention their name because that's what they want that are saying he should sit out. Hey, look, sit out. Hell yeah. If you're Caleb Williams, go sit out. reason I want you to sit out is because then the court of public opinion will turn on this entire player entitlement crap. I mean, we don't mind when they sit out, I suppose, an insignificant bowl game. That's fine. But because your team has two losses, you're going to sit out. That's the level of stupid and the level of cesspool we have in media particularly with former players, particularly entitled former players. Remember, the guy was uncomfortable conversations with a black man. That's how the one guy made his bones. And if you criticized him, well, then you're racist. That's how he answered the uncomfortable conversations. But good. USC can keep losing for all I care. A boring-ass game going back to the 70s. That's what Penn State and Ohio State was. You know what that was for Ohio State? That was survive and advance. And you know what it was for James Franklin and Penn State? The new Clemsoning. That's right. I said it and I meant it. The new Clemsoning. Uh, I don't know who was any good other than Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know. Was Alder any, Adler, Alder, whatever the hell his name is at Penn State, the guy who everybody criticized Ohio State for, for recruiting Kyle McCord over Adler, whatever his name. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could have switched quarterbacks, and who knows? Maybe both teams would have been the same. I don't know. The score would have been the same. What I do know is this. Penn State's got a hell of a defense. What I do know is this. When you run crossing routes with good wide receivers, it's almost impossible to stop. It just is. Final score, I think it was the final score. It was the one that put it away. Happened on a crossing route to Marvin Harrison Jr. It got him some space. He got in the end zone, and James Franklin was left to make James Franklin-type comments, which he made before the game, basically saying you got to learn how to lose before you can win. I always thought those kind of things were stupid. I always did. I got friends that are in broadcasting that used to coach that have all these cliches. I grew up with a high school coach that didn't give a damn about a cliche. I grew up with a father that didn't drop cliches, and I grew up with a college coach that could care less about cliches. He kind of told you more things, more matter-of-fact things like, hey, man, I'm just gonna tell you, clowns, losing, or excuse me, stupid loses more than smart wins. Now that's something I could get down with, big time. Get down with that. Uh, by the way, Alabama slammer, Alabama slammer went on a little 27 to zip run, 27 to zip second half run, wow, to win 34 to 20. Now I'm no math major, but they were getting their ass beat, 20 to seven at half, 27 to zip run is oops. to Now, you got to understand something about LSU. You want a nugget? I'll give you a nugget. Aaron Torres provided this nugget today. Aaron's a good follow. He's a Fox radio host. He's a good follow on X, Twitter, whatever it is. Let me give it to you. You ready? In wins over Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and now Tennessee, Alabama Slamma has given up a total of not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six. Yes, count them, six total points. Did I say that right? Yes, I did. Six total points points given up in three wins in the SEC against SEC talent in the second half. Now, I've been on this Alabama train ever since they lost or or, uh, won a close one down in South Florida. I said, hey, look, sometimes you got to go through hard times to get better. Well, they've gotten better, and they are a real contender at 5-0. But oh, by the way, oh, by the way, I think it's the 4th of November, not this weekend, the next weekend, guess what? Alabama at home against LSU. That, my friends, is must-see TV. That, my friends, is make sure you go to the bathroom, you clean out your insides, you get whatever you want, you sit in front of the TV and you don't move. That will not be a day that my daughter, myself, and my wife do a 10-mile, 300, or uh, excuse me, three-hour walk around Geist Lake where I live. That will not be that. That will be, hey, look, I might work out in the morning, but I'm going to get a set. I'm going to sit, I'm going to be ready, and I am going to watch, because that game is going to be fire. Hey, Virginia beat North Carolina. I used to host or co-host with uh, Mark Packer, Billy Packer's son, on Sirius XM Radio, and everybody in the South, or at least that part of the South, I don't know what's South. See, to me, Indianapolis is the South. At me, Indianapolis, I ought to be singing Dixie. I mean, when I went to Bloomington, it was like in the deep south. I didn't know the deep south. What the hell is the Bloomington? Everybody's talking about, hey, how you doing, Danny? dang, I shoot. You know, those who can't do play or those who can't coach. I, I don't even know. I heard so much stupid that I couldn't wait to at least get a little north to Bowling Green and then I guess north here in Indy. Anyway, so I don't know if North Carolina is the north, south, east, or west. Seems like it's east to me. I don't know, Mid-South. Let me call it the Mid-South. Anyway, I used to tell Mark Packer, you all are in love with Mac Brown. Mac Brown sucks. Mac Brown will always. I know he won a national championship. I know it was one of the greatest games ever. I know Vince Young was phenomenal. But Mac Brown sucks. He'll win you games, no question. He will. And he does. But there'll always be a Clemsoning right in the middle. And Tony Elliott's Virginia team just absolutely got it done, and they got it done late. Speaking of getting it done, J.J. McCarthy is a new favorite. Did you see this for the Heisman Trophy? Who'd have thunk it? Not I. I would not have thunk it, but now he is. He's plus plus two or 300 depending on what book you take a look at. Why? Well, Bo Nix lost a game. Michael Penix wasn't great the other day. I don't Caleb Williams is done. He's out. Yeah, I don't know who you're going to give it to. You can't give it to a quarterback apparently. Seems like, I don't know. You tell me. The Penn State defense, they're pretty good. Marvin Harrison, eh, depends on what happens against Michigan if he has one of those Desmond Howard coming out days. But long story short, Michigan just boat raced, and I mean boat raced, the sorriest school in America. What school, you ask? Well, that, of course, is a truck stop known as Sparty. Michigan State, who, by the way, further embarrassed themselves, if you can believe it. Not only have they had Larry Nassar, not only did they chant, Twelve thousand people hate at me during a game. Twelve thousand chanting hate. That's ridiculous. Not only did they do that, not only is their coach Mel Tugger fired, not only is one of their professors was one of their professors arrested for running a meth lab and there was no background check. These geniuses decided that they were going to use a YouTube trivia contest. That's right, a YouTube trivia contest, and not watch the whole thing. They hired out. They outsourced it to a third party. Well, what happened in that trivia contest? And you can say it's a trivia question, fine. But at this point in time, nobody needs to see a big picture of Adolf Hitler on a jumbo screen. I mean, I can't believe they were that stupid. Yes, I can, because they are that stupid. People are saying it's an innocent mistake. Sure it is. I mean, I don't think anybody willingly, I don't, I don't assume they're that stupid, that they would willingly put that up there. But I also think they are that stupid that they, and that arrogant and that ridiculous that they wouldn't do their due diligence and say, hold on a second, let's watch this trivia and let's watch everything we put on our big jumbotron sponsored by Meyer. Now, I've got a friend, his name is Jeff Rubenstein. He runs a golf club of Indiana. Great dude. Love him. Love, love, love Jeff. He texts me, he goes, I saw Twitter You put this thing up that Michigan State did. That can't be real. I said, Jeff, it's absolutely real. I mean, last thing in this world where anti-Semitism is at an all-time and ridiculously stupid high, the last thing anybody needs to see is an image hovering over a full stadium of Adolf effing Hitler. And Matt Larson, the guy that gave the limp, limp toast, weak dick, limp dick, uh, apology, saying we outsource him, is an absolute ass kisser who used to be Izzo's lackey. Now, I like Izzo. He's the one I like. But Matt jo- Matt Larson was Izzo's ass-kicking boy. I call it a different name. And weaseled his way into an assistant athletic director position by smooching as much backside as he could. So I wasn't surprised that Matt Larson gave a limp dick, wimp toast, whatever the hell it is you want to call it half apology. Well, we will no longer use, uh, well, to Michigan State's credit, they did at least uh, suspend a staffer. Now, they won't release the staffer, but I'll tell you what, they sure the hell released Mel Tucker and all the crap there. They they leaked that like it was their job. But they won't release a staffer who put Hitler up in front of a full stadium. Idiots are always going to be idiots. I'm just saying. That's supposed to be my top five story, but I'm not going to get to it because we're running a little late here. All right, what else do we got? Iowa football. Remember I told you, hey, look, I'm going to bet it. I did not bet it. Uh, I bet Indiana. No, I didn't. I bet uh, I lost my Clemson game. I did lose that. I lost Clemson. The, the house bet is now 6-1. and one. And what one did I win? Oh, I won the Colts. The Colts covered. Remember I told you I loved the Colts in that one? So I went 1-1. One one. I did not bet the over-under. i tell you if I did, what do I care? But honest to God, here's my suggestion. Every football player that is getting any NIL money at Iowa or at Minnesota should immediately lose that NIL. Their name, image, and likeness stands for ineptness. If I were a business and I was going to say, hey, Iowa stud quarterback, wide receiver, hey, they're representing my car dealership, I'd pull that thing so fast because what they represent is mediocrity, awfulness, horrific football, which means, look, if we're always going to blame the coach, I'm down with it. But at some point, can we look at the players and say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I know it was a bad call and the punt return later. Iowa would have won, and I'm kind of sad about that. Row your boat guy kind of gives me gas with his self-promotion. I think Kirk Ferentz is one of the real good dudes to ever coach. But I got to tell you, every kid on NIL money should lose their money and I'm serious. You're not paying any of these guys for anything. All you're paying them to do is to be on a bad football team. If I were running the business and I was giving these clowns money, it would be pulled immediately, and I'll let everybody call me all the familiar names. Uh, racist, whatever, for pulling money. Hey, look, i pull it for the white guys too. Double racist, I don't know whatever they want to say, but I'm just telling you, those cats don't deserve a dime for name, image, and likeness. Seriously, you're playing that bad of football in college that you can't get to 15 points, you can't get to 25 points between the two teams, and you think you're supposed to get paid for your name, your image, and likeness? My backside, I'm not paying you for squadoosh. Nothing. Zip. And last but not least, yes, Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, I'm going to give you another nugget. Seven and six in his last 13 games. I'm going to say that again. Seven and six in his last 13. Well, Dabo, if you're going to use the James Franklin method of you got to have to lose before you can win, guess what? You've learned how to lose. You're 500 a little bit above over the last 13. I don't know what to tell you, but what I do tell you is simply this. You've learned how to lose. Now you better figure out how to win. Good for Miami. The coaches didn't jack it up, so now everybody can be all happy. Good for the you, man. The you. Yeah, the you. You, my ass. They need to get Uncle Luther back. They need to start seriously cheating. I mean, that guy that gave the women's basketball and the men's basketball team a ton of money, he better get involved in football serious business, because right now, they got nothing. They got squat. All right, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick allegedly, allegedly signed a secret extension. Now, I love this out of Belichick. Why do I love this out of Belichick? Because, well, it's secret. He's not parading it around. He knows he's the GOAT, he knows he's got more rings, he knows really nobody's gonna touch him in terms of rings, right? Well, guess what? He don't need to parade it around, he doesn't parade anything around. So he's sitting there five and one and all of a sudden it comes out. A secret extension. And immediately, immediately, what do they say? Well, this means he's gonna be here. See, I looked at it a little different and I want your opinion on this. I looked at it like, hey, wait a second here. Hold the phone. Maybe this is a glorious way of giving Belichick a golden parachute, goodbye Gracie type thing. Hey, we love what you've done for us. We love who you are. Yay, rah. Go fight, win. But, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye. And here's your money. You know, the Colts gave, think about this. The Colts had a player quit in the preseason. That guy's name was Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had signed a big-time deal. Now, by Andrew Luck quitting, that means that deal was void. The Colts didn't owe him anything. But you know what the Colts did? The Colts decided that it was in their best interest to give Andrew Luck $24 million dollars As a going away present. Now, every media guy in Indianapolis is always too afraid to ask Jimmy Irsay about something like that because they need access. I don't need access to anything. I, you know, I can I can tell you what's going on here without access. But I will tell you this: I asked Jimmy Irsay why'd you do that. He said it was the right thing to do. Yeah, that's crap. Uh, I I I don't know if it's the right thing. I don't know if it's the wrong thing. I don't know, but I will say this. They paid Andrew Luck to shut up and go away, and he has, and they also retained his rights. The Patriots are paying, or allegedly paying, Bill Belichick not necessarily to shut up, but that when he does go away, they feel like they will have done right by him. Now, I would argue they've done right by him this entire time. I would argue that everything that he does or the money that he's gotten is payment for what he has done. But a lot of people don't look that way. I mean, buyouts are nuts, right? I mean, we want to make sure that our employees feel good and the NFL is an absolute cash freaking cow. So don't think for a second that this extension automatically keeps Belichick where he is. It does not. It does if he wins. Of course it does. Everybody knows that. But there are two. there is too much smoke, and I mean way, way, way too much smoke to not have any fire with the idea that our guy, Robert Kraft, isn't at least thinking about giving Belichick the boot. Now, he went a long way yesterday. I'm not going to lie. Hey, you beat the Bills at home. When people are watching to see what you're going to do, you're in pretty good shape. You're in really, really good shape. All right, last thing before we go. Actually, I'm going to go and try to get this fixed, and then we'll be right back. We're going to try to get this whole thing fixed, and our guests will be here. We'll
1: be right back. Are you looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promos, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash beth.
0: Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, you know, we like uh, talking, you know, to, we smart like talking to smart people smart people, people only. Clay, Clay, Har- Clay Harbour joins us, longtime NFL player. And overall, good dude. All right, Clay, I got to go into something here. The Chicago Bears, you're very familiar. You are from that area. You know the team inside and out. Um, do we have any type of controversy here at the quarterback position?
1: I don't think we have a controversy, and I, I asked a question on my Twitter last night, and I said if Justin Fields is ready to go with his you know, torn ligament and his thumb, would you start Tyson Bagent or Justin Fields? And on, honestly, in Chicago, it's kind of a mixed bag. But in my opinion, Justin Fields is way more talented than Tyson Bagent. but it goes to show you what happens when you play on time you take what the defense is given you you take the checkdowns and you and you're quicker getting rid of the ball so Justin Fields has got to work on those things Tyson Bagent isn't going to be the long-term solution in Chicago Justin Fields could improve and get to a point to where he is so in my my opinion this year is that you want to try to see if Justin Fields can get there and if he if he doesn't you're going to be in a position to where you can draft a quarterback hopefully they can so you got to see if Fields can get there. Bajen showed what can happen if you play on time, you play smart. You don't you don't have to make the sexy play, but you just make the right and smart play. You can still win games.
0: Yeah, you know. I, you know. I think a lot
1: of people were surprised by what happened
0: yesterday, but I, I, on the other side, I gotta tell you, I felt like the Raiders are a poorly coached. I don't know. I don't want to say mess, so I'll just say mess. I think they're a
1: mess to Chicago and lose to a team that's starting Tyson Bagent his first ever start from a D2 Shepherd College. And obviously you're missing Jimmy Garoppoli you have Brian Hoyer starting, but in my opinion, Hoyer, you know he, he's played for 15 years. I mean this guy should be able to beat a guy that hasn't played a single snap, you know in the NFL before last week when Justin Fields went down at the end of that game. Josh McDaniels, I used to play for him. He was my offensive coordinator when I was with the New England Patriots. Love him as offensive coordinator. Don't love him as a head coach. I don't think he's making the right decisions. He doesn't got the guys in his roster to play the way he wants to play. He he needs a quarterback, too. I don't think Jimmy G's the answer. Obviously, Brian Hoyer is not the answer. So they need to find a quarterback. I think maybe they ship out Devontae Adams, maybe get some – you get a draft pick here, a draft pick there, and then you try to find your quarterback next year.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I agree. Like, I, I I don't know. Jimmy G, whether he's the answer or not, he's never on the field long enough. You know, and, and you know, Aiden O'Connell, I don't know. I saw where uh, McDaniel said this isn't a preseason anymore, so he kind of looks at him as a, you know, a third-team emergency guy. Hey, let me go somewhere else with you. I'm curious. Uh, Dolphins-Eagles last night. Dolphins playing without a couple defensive backs.
1: Where are you at with the tush push? Here's the deal. Everybody can run it. Every team can run it. If you want to run it, you go ahead and run it. People are acting like the NFL, oh, only the Eagles are allowed to run the tush push. Nobody else can run the tush. You can run it if you want to run it, okay, until it's illegal. If they make it illegal, nobody's getting injured on that thing in Philadelphia. Until they make it illegal, every team can do it. So if you can do it, do it. To me, it's not that hard. People are mad because the Eagles do it better than anybody else. But if you want to use the touch push, that is a completely legal play. You can use it. If this was a play to where only the Eagles were the team that they said, okay, only Philadelphia can use this single play, no, anybody can use it. So stop complaining. Learn how to stop it or do it yourself. I, I agree. Um, a lot of guys don't have a 600 squat
0: guy, you know, with the legs and the drive and all that stuff that. What do you think of Hertz as a quarterback?
1: Man, I think that he's uh, he's a guy that can beat you in a couple different ways, and I think he's just a winner. You know, running the football. He's the last few weeks he's you know he's picked it up, but then last night it looked like he was a little banged up, so he had to rely more on his arm. But he's a guy that can get it done both ways, throwing the ball and running the ball. I think he'll he'll turn the ball over a little bit. If you look at the last couple games, I think they have six turnovers. He had two turnovers, a fumble, an interception. Obviously, one of those interceptions was on a tip ball. But he does a good job of getting the ball to his weapons. AJ Brown, three or five straight games with over 125 yards. That's how you get. That's how you win. You get the ball to your playmaker. Dallas Goddard came up big, 75 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Devonte Adams. Obviously, they got a great offensive line, probably the best offensive line in football. Lane Johnson is a Hall of Famer. Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. Landon Dickerson can play. Jordan Mylod can play. Cam Jurgens, the rookie, has shown he can play. So, overall, he has a great offensive of line. He knows how to use it and he gets the ball to his playmakers. I like him.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's kind of simple. Hey, uh, no penalties on the Eagles last night. I'm here in Indy, man, and we're not happy with the officials sitting right here in Indy, brother. Uh, zero penalties. Come
1: on. Zero penalties? Come called- on. No, no, Philadelphia. no, no. Philadelphia. The, Eagles.
0: the Eagles. I'm sorry.
1: Zero penalties last night? Yes. yes, Zero.
0: Zero. Oh wow, I
1: didn't even see that stat. And obviously, you know, I'm over here, you know, watching the game. I'm a little biased. I was a draft pick of the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2010, so I'm, you know, I'm pulling for my birds. Fly Eagles, fly. But you know, the the thing there is, I think obviously you got a veteran offensive line, and you got a lot of smart guys. So they're, they're a team that typically doesn't hold. But to get to have no penalties, I mean, that's that's pretty crowded. I don't think I've ever heard of that. They, they, showed, they, they showed
0: there's a parody Mike McDonald account and they showed like five different, one was a face mask on the wide rec- or, you know, the wide receiver got his face mask, couple were holds. I mean, so now you know what, you know, people, well, it's fixed. The NFL is fixed. You know, I don't know. The hell do I, know? I? I
1: I don't think it's fixed, but I I do remember that that face mask call with Bradbury. But hey, the football gods they righted that when uh when they had that picked interception ran back for a touchdown. And you know I always I always was a guy that I never wanted to to, to blame the the officials. Obviously, you know as much as you say that it sounds cliche, it does have an, a you know a, a very big impact on the game, but. For me, it was like, yo, I don't care what the officials are doing. You go out there and you make the plays. Did, did Tyreek Hill drop a couple passes, maybe a touchdown? Yes. Did Tua make a couple bonehead plays? Yes. Did that, did that offensive line get beat a few times by this D-line and get this? Yes. So to me, that's the stuff you clean up. If you want to win the football game, that's what you got to do. Where's Tyreek Hill in the MVP conversation? I think he's I think he's in there, but obviously, in my opinion, the, the MVP is a is a quarterback award. If you're a quarterback, that that's such a difficult position. There's no position in sport that has the impact that the, that the quarterback does. Maybe you play point guard in basketball, a pitcher in baseball. Can control the quarterback. Everything that happens in the game goes through the quarterback. You got to get the ball out to those wide receivers. You got to get the ball out to, to everybody. You got to control the tempo of the game, call the game. You got to make the audibles. You got to look at the defense, put your team in the right play. You are the you, the coach is on the sidelines. You're on the field. You got to do all that. So, in my opinion, if there was a if there was an MVP and the Dolphins end up being that conversation, I'm more of a Tua guy. I do love position players. Position player myself. I'm a tight end, but I agree with people. I think the, I think the MVP, unless you are. Obviously he could break the receiving record this year. Right now he he's got the most receiving yards per game in NFL history. But in my opinion, the, the MVP is a quarterback award. Which one? Which one? Yeah, that there therein lies the question. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes isn't having a big year. Tua was in the conversation. Tua having a, he didn't look great. Obviously Jalen Hurts is is 6 and 1 this year, so is is it Hurts, Brock Purdy before, you know, he missed a little bit of time. The 49ers got some guys banged up, so to me, I think it's those four guys. You got Tua, you got Hurts, you got Mahomes. You know, Josh Allen, in my opinion right now, isn't in the conversation. He's had some some games that, that you know, haven't been great. Trevor Lawrence, you know, the, the Jaguars in a good position. I don't think he's in that conversation yet. So I would say Tua, Jalen, Patrick Mahomes right now, Brock Purdy as well are in that conversation for me. Thanks, Clay. I love talking to you,
0: man. Thanks for taking time with us. That's the great Clay Harbors. I just like talking to smart people, and I I think he's right. I think we're not going to see anybody other than one of those four quarterbacks uh, become the MVP. All right, we advertised it, and we're going to talk about it. My man, Pat McAfee. See, the way I view the world, Pat McAfee has been a beacon of light and energy on college game day. He just has been. Now... You know what? People want to complain. Let me explain to you the complaining, okay? Here's the complaining, because I saw this last week out of Awful Announcing. Awful Announcing is kind of the original website, kind of the Bible, but it's a far-left-leaning led by a guy named Benny Koo. Benny Koo was some tech guy out in, I don't know, somewhere, and he made a lot of money. He's a far-left liberal, lives in Columbus, Ohio, and that's what his website is. So they do a hatchet job on McAfee with some little minion of Benny Coo's ripping McAfee because why? Well, because he gives anti-vaxxer Aaron Rodgers a great platform, not a good platform, a great platform. And Aaron Rodgers, as you well know from watching it, is being paid and wrong about that. I told you this before. The obnoxious columnist, uh, the uninteresting, the uneducated in terms of sports, he's great with little puff pieces, but Greg Doyle wanted us at Emis to pay him to come on. I went to bat for him. I said, hey, I like Doyle. Give him 10 bucks. They laughed at me, said he wasn't worth it. I don't disagree. But when Doyle and others in the far left media want to criticize paying for interviews, they're Crazy. I get paid to do one. I do. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I get paid to do one on a diff- on a radio show. I do. And I like the checks. They're not big checks, but I take my wife out to dinner, and it's nice. All right. Having said all that, the athletic and a guy named Chris Vanini, who is a, just a ridiculous, idiotic, basketball, ex-basketball writer who, you know, who knows? I mean, never played a sport in his life but he's got all the answers. He did a hit piece. He's with the Atlantic. He did a hit piece. 49% of people don't like McAfee. 30% do. Blah, 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 blah. 3,300 people or whatever it was. Yeah, okay, great. Hey, man, if you put a survey on about anybody, you put a survey about Jesus Christ himself, if you get more than 10% in the light column, the way the world is, You're doing pretty good. Here's the deal. McAfee fired back at this. And I love what Pat said. I've never been friends with a human that reads the athletic. So I'm not 100% sure what style of human these 3,100 folks are. But huge shout out to the 30%. Hell yeah. To the 49. I have some great news. I've heard you all very loud and clear since the beginning of my stint with game day. It's one of the biggest reasons I have not re-signed a contract. With the legendary show, I'm not right for some crowds. And the distinguished, where he's being very facetious, college football folks are definitely one of those. All right, before I get to the second quote, let me explain something to you. There is no distinguished college football crowd. What Pat McAfee did was make fun of the, well, you know, uh, my alma mater, the West uh, Washington State flag. No, 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 he's making fun of that. Let me tell you what Pat has done. It took a boring-ass show. The only thing interesting about the show is the crowd and the pictures and the signs. There is no coach giving you any insight. There isn't. I'm sorry. I love Lee Corso. He's coached in Indiana, came to my house, all that kind of stuff. But he, he's passed. It's over. Herb Street does a wonderful job, wonderful being the son and guiding Corso through when he's even on. Pollock gave nothing. Uh, Desmond Howard is there for whatever the reason. Who knows? He doesn't add nothing other than laugh once in a while. Uh, McAfee does a number of things. One, he entertains. Two, and this is very underrated, he informs. He informs great. He's the only guy on there that actually speaks like me as a coach that wants to hear that. I just said that so badly, but you get my point. He speaks coach speak. Now, they try to sell Herb Street off as a guy that, well, his dad was a coach. A hell of a difference between your dad being a coach and actually coaching. And Pat's information is invaluable. Imagine if they didn't have his information. I'm not talking about his energy. I'm not talking about his antics. I'm not talking about his entertainment value. I'm talking about his information. That show might as well be Jen Sims in a tight shirt going, hi, guys. Or that show might as well be some puff piece by whoever's doing their puff pieces. Now, I know Wojnarowski's Wojnarowski's gone, and and, uh, the other guy with the voice is over here at Fox. And Stanford Steve can't get a bet right, never could, actually, when I used to hang with him and the Bear, although I love him. He's a great dude, And but he never got a bet right, ever. And he's embarrassingly bad at that. The show stinks, other than it's iconic. But without McAfee, the show really stinks. All right, here's what Pat said. Also, excited to enjoy the rest of this year, shaping up to be a great one, and then see what the future holds. It's been an absolute blast, an honor to be at that desk and to work with the fine folks of that family. It's also been really fun to work seven days a week for the last two football season. Night's reminder that I'm still a effing dog. Well, let me tell you what this is saying here. He's tired of working seven days a week. He's got a daughter at home, and he's a doting husband. Got a great wife, young couple, on the rise with kids. Probably have another one here pretty soon. Uh, I don't think he wants to work seven days a week. I think he put that in there to let you know that when he's done here after this year, he don't want to work seven days. If I were game day, and I'm not sure who's running it. Lee Fitting, my friend, used to run it, and he ran it great, although he's too loyal to certain people. Uh, I would tell you that if McAfee goes, they got a problem. Who are they going to get? Still, to this day, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. The best segment on TV is Urban Meyer's coaching. I learn stuff. Hey, look, I can watch any show anytime and watch four or five guys across the desk yucking it up. I mean, it's like everybody talks over themselves on game day. And what does Desmond Howard actually bring? I don't know. And then he gets mad at the caucasity of players. So he's allowed to be a bit of a racist, actually, on an airplane. But hey, I digress. It's the way the world works. So good for Pat McAfee for calling it out. Good for Pat McAfee for betting on himself, which he always does. And you know what? I'm with you. I don't know a single person that subscribes to The Athletic. I know one writer, a guy named Zach Kiefer, who's a little milk toast. I think I made him cry. He put a mean tweet out on me, and I think I saw tears on it. I actually taught the little puke in school, and he was a little ass kisser then that we, me, Samson, and the rest couldn't stand. But the fact of the matter is, is this. The fact of the matter, it's very simple. You better keep McAfee on that show. You can lose a lot, but you better not lose McAfee. Or you better have the best games that there is. Good for McAfee. Who the hell knows anybody that works at The Athletic? They wrote an article on me, and I can't even remember the guy who wrote its name. He was whining about me driving fast on a a snowy highway, singing Brown Eyed Girl. Bah. For McAfee, be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. On a great John Stuper, former, former big league player, actually, the Yale baseball coach. When Ron DeSantis was there, you know him, you love him, we've had him on before. And uh, you know you all loved him. Hey, let me ask you: We're going to get in a lot of baseball here, but what's going on with the DeSantis campaign? What is your thought? Where are we at? Long
2: long way to go. Until like- the, the Iowa caucuses, primary voters don't vote until January. All the uh, all the uh, pundits are saying that you know Trump is so far ahead and whatever. Let's just wait and see what happens.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. Has there been anything really good good or anything disappointing uh, out of the campaign in your mind over the last month or so, including the debates? No, I think debates.
2: You know, some people took shots at him, and and he handled it well, in my opinion. Um, I hate debates with, like, eight people. Uh, I mean, mean, it's just people looking to, you know, trying to uh, get a sound bite and things like that. Um, I think he really showed his character when the last the last question of the debate was, you know, who would you kick off the island? And he said, "Hey, I'm not going to do that. That would be unprofessional, disrespectful to uh, my opponents here." Um, I mean, he was the grown up in the room, and uh, I-, I thought it was a I thought it was a stupid question, and I thought he handled that really
0: well. Uh,
2: yeah, I thought there were a
0: lot of stupid questions, questions on that. Questions I, I, on that. You, I, I, you know, they had the one moderator. I mean, I don't know why she was up there. I guess you got to appeal to the Spanish-speaking folks. I, I don't know. I, I thought – I'm with you. It's like, it, it's like a pregame show in the NFL with five guys sitting across a desk. What are you going to really say? You're just – you know, you're just there, I guess, so people can say, hey, I saw Gronk or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, and plus
2: when there's people that clearly have no chance whatsoever, um, I don't know why they're I don't even know why they're on the stage. Uh, The next one, maybe some will fall off. But um, I mean, uh, they say that a lot of these people do this because they're shooting for a cabinet position or something like that. uh, And I get that. But um, I think America wants to hear the actual competitors, the the people that have a chance. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm I'm all in on postseason baseball. I got to tell you, you're gonna have to explain this to me. You know, you played in the bigs for a long time. You understand. You coach. You understand this at a level that I couldn't hope to. But I got all I got all winners of the away team in Houston and Texas. I mean, I don't know if we've seen that before. Is it a matter of the ballpark? You know, fitting one team Houston on the road and fitting one. Uh, Rangers on the road. What is it? You tell me. Uh, I have no no idea. Um,
2: I think Houston had a losing record on the road this year. At home. At home. home. Um, And there's just – it's like in a short series, you can't predict anything. I used to laugh at pundits who, in a five-game series, used to go over the lineup person by person and say, okay, well, they have the advantage at first. These guys have the advantage. You can't tell that in a five game series. It's ridiculous. You can't because somebody might, you know, all of a sudden explode. Um, and, you know, that you wouldn't expect to. Uh, so I, I, you know, just our game, it's all predicated on the guy on the mound. Because, you know, like when, uh, when uh, Grom at his best is on the mound, doesn't matter who his teammates are playing. They're the best. They're the better team because he's on the mound at his best. So, you know, it's going to be interesting when Scherzer uh, goes out there. It's, we'll see if we see the real Max Scherzer or not. He's a freaking gamer, and uh, th- that's going to be interesting.
0: That's a tough ask. I mean, this—it this, seems to me this ask will be a little bit better because he threw and didn't do well, but at least he got out there first time since mid-September. You know, a little bit easier maybe this time. How does a guy get ready for a game seven? Don't change anything, that kind of deal?
2: Can't. Um, You know, I I didn't pitch a game seven. I pitched a game six. But um, you you just have to approach it, believe it or not, it's cliche, but you have to approach it like a regular season game. Still three outs per half inning, and, and, you know, you have to try and give your goal as a starting pitcher is to give your team a chance to win. And uh, so – they could explode again uh, like they did last night, and he may give up five runs and still win. So it's really, really hard to predict uh, what might happen.
0: You know what we've seen? We've, we've seen some great baseball. We, we we really have. I mean, you know, the, the catch that uh, Tucker made out in right field, uh, you know, the game was kind of over, but he took it away from a fan after the grand slam, I mean, we're seeing some unbelievable baseball here, John. It's close to the fan
2: had was
0: touching his glove. Yes, I, yes. I mean I, it was.
2: It was. Uh, yeah, we've seen. I think it, it has showcased some of the young stars of the game. Um, we also had a throwback moment, and uh, you know, the announcers maybe they can't say it on TV. Uh, I don't know. Um, sports writers were saying things, and I don't even listen to them, but. Um, there is no question that they drilled Garcia on purpose. There's absolutely no question. And I'll tell you a couple reasons why. Number one, he was their be- he's their best hitter. He's their guy, and they didn't want to face him in that situation. Look what the Rangers did last night. They walked Alvarez with a guy on first. They didn't want to face him. Number two, I know what it looks like to drill a guy. You know, they were saying, oh, the ball was riding up and in." That ball wasn't riding up and in. That ball was a four-seam fastball, straight as an arrow, and it went to exactly where the guy wanted it to. Three, did the pitcher argue about being ejected? No. Dusty had to because he has to protect his players. But it, no argument whatsoever, okay? And four, again, I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon here, but I thought his – and and I, and I know people – I have a connection with both teams. Um, but I thought that was an over-the-top celebration of a home run, um, in my opinion. Again, uh, I'm old school, um, and and I think that's another—that's the other reason they did it. Um, so there's no question, 100%, they hit him on purpose. I don't care what the announcers were saying. You know, you
0: know, do you, I, you know I don't know why it would be bad. I, I called basketball games on ESPN in the Big Ten for 10 years. And I used to always say, "What's so bad about me telling you what's actual based on my experience?" I don't know. I don't know if it was Smoltz or not, or whoever it was. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with saying, "You know what? I pitched in the league for a hundred years. Of course, he's throwing at him." You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, and Smoltz was saying that that wasn't on purpose, and they're basically using the situation as the yeah. reason they yeah. wouldn't do that. Um, but you know look what happened. The guy caused a commotion. Um, if he had just taken it and ran to first his, his closer wouldn't have had to sit around for 25 minutes. Um, and I think that was a big factor, uh, in, in Leclerc, not being able to close out that game. I mean, again, my opinion, um, you know, Chris, Chris Young is the general manager of the Texas Rangers. I recruited him to Yale uh, great guy. He made the worst decision of his life and went to Princeton. And then um, the uh, uh, Charles Cook is a former player of mine and he's assistant general manager of the Astros. So I have a little skin in the game for both teams, but um, you know, I'll tell you what I have seen. I've seen some of the worst base running in the history of the game. Um, it's just, see. here's the deal. Here's the deal in major league baseball today. Throw hard, swing hard. That's what they do. There's no attention to detail. You know, they don't work on base running. You saw the double steal with Bryce Harper. How many times do you think they've practiced that, making that throw in front of the bag to home plate? They haven't since February in spring training. Same thing with pitchers. And I've told three or four GMs this. Pitchers fielding cost teams three to four games a year. How many times have you seen a pitcher catch the ball and throw it into center field? How many times? You see it all the time. And the reason is because they haven't done it since March. If I was a big league pitching coach, I would have my staff out once every two weeks just to – for half an hour just to throw the bases, get your footwork down, that kind of thing. But you know, they're not going to do that in the big leagues and they'll say it's because there's 162 games and you can't do it. But I would bring them out like a half an hour before BP and have them throw the bases. Dan, a good college team is way more fundamentally sound than a big league team. It's not even close. And the reason is college teams can practice.
0: You know, I've said this. The most uncomfortable – how do I put this? The most uncomfortable professional athlete move is a pitcher fielding a ground ball and throwing a second base. They always look so uncomfortable. Like they don't know whether to throw it. They don't know whether to lead it. They don't know whether to lob it. It is is amazing you said that because I've said that for years – Everybody in professional athlete, and you were a professional athlete. I wasn't. Looks so incredibly comfortable doing their craft. It doesn't always work, but it, you look—you look like you've been there a thousand times doing it. But not throwing a baseball, man. It's unbelievable. And plus, sometimes they're throwing off a mound, right? So, uh, right. Second base. So
2: that's not—that's not real comfortable not for right. them either. But right. I was always—I was always taught to. Clear yourself from the mound and make the throw. And when in doubt, just throw it over the base. Don't try and lead anybody. Just throw it over second base. Um double plays and plus don't don't rush. Double plays are not lost because you're not quick enough. Double plays are lost because of bad exchanges. And and that happens at shortstop and second, wherever, it's lost because of bad exchanges. Period. Not because you're not quick enough. <laughs>
0: And I know baseball is the hardest sport to do this, but who do you think wins game seven?
2: <sighs> I mean, uh, if, if I were a betting man, which if you look at all the NFL scores yesterday, that's why I'm not. Um, uh, I mean, I don't see any reason for this, this incredible run of visiting teams winning. If I had to bet, I'd, I'd pick the Rangers.
0: John, I gotta ask. John, you. I gotta ask you. Um I, I don't know. I I I don't I don't I mean El Tuve's this tall and everybody else is now getting this big. And that little guy, I mean, I never seen his bat looks bigger than him. And then when he hits a home run and he hit a mammoth, mammoth one the other night, he just goes around the bases. That's it. he, he been he there. Act like he'd been there before. He's unbelievable.
2: Uh, Obviously a famous quote from Bill Parcells to Sean Johnson, act like you've been there before. Um, There's a lot of guys like that. uh, J.T. Real Muto's like that um, in the postseason. He just just plays. Uh, El Tuve just plays. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, you know, are that. But we're, you know, one of the announcers said last night when they were recounting, um, Garcia's celebration. He said, and I quote: "Here he's celebrating, which he should do." And I'm like, "No, he shouldn't. Just run the first. Act like you've done it before." Um, but the game is the game has changed. Okay, and and you know the last time I was on your show and and I told you that I had predicted Ron DeSantis, you know, back in 2002. Somebody posted it on Twitter, and I got excoriated on Twitter. I was called a liar. Um, They said, no, 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 just listen. And they said, you know, yeah, sure. Baseball coaches are asked that all the time. And I'm like, if they coach at Yale, they might be. So, Dan, I I responded to every single one of them because I don't like being called a liar. Um, And I I quoted uh, the author of the book actually uh, came on Twitter and said, yes, I actually did ask him that question. Um, and I quoted the book, what year it was published, the author and the page numbers. And I sent it to all these people who called me a liar, um, which I know I shouldn't do. Um, you know, when I talk to the, when I talked to the DeSantis team, I say, how do you guys do this when they lie about your guy and everybody does it in politics? I get it. That's probably why I'm not in politics either. But, um,
1: you know, the, 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 you know what, you know what,
0: John? John? I, I found this out very quickly, moving from all sports to we throw a lot of politics into this show. Man, athletes think that fans are brutal on them. The political criticism is always it's not it's not that it's harsh, it's just that it's full of shit. It's it's just that it's you know, I mean that's the only way I can describe it.
2: The truth doesn't get in the way doesn't matter ever,
0: doesn't matter ever.
2: and that's both sides I mean it it just doesn't get in the way, it
0: doesn't get in the way. Uh, uh last thing before I let you last thing before I let you go do you do you anticipate um what's the right way to put it, a major announcement from DeSantis you, you know it is, is let me back up. How important will a running mate be in this deal? Because I can't vote for Biden, number one, because of Biden, but I damn sure can't vote for num- uh, for Biden because of that freaking Kamala Harris. So you know what I'm saying? Like, I, will, will we see anything out of Desantis in terms of a running mate? Yeah. Oh, uh, um, now I don't. You know, Ted
2: Cruz did that a number of years ago um, when he had no chance to win the presidency, and he announced. I forget who was it. he announces his running mate, but no, I don't. I don't see anybody doing that for a while. Um, I personally think if Trump wins the nomination, he's going to pick Nikki Haley as his running mate. That, that's what I. That's my prediction. But as far as uh, 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 Governor DeSantis, no idea. Tim Scott could be a good choice. I think um, there, there's a lot of good choices out there, but usually when you pick a running mate it's of a, they're connected to a battleground state so that right. they can help you right. win the battleground state. So no, I don't see him doing that for a while. Um, I mean, there's still, he has two debates still. He has a Republican debate and then he has a debate with Gavin Newsom. So, um, I, I think he's busy doing other things. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's even, I mean, I'm sure they're considering, and I'm sure he and his team sit down virtually every day and talk about it, but I, I don't think that that announcement is coming t- anytime soon.
0: I, I kind of feel like that, news, that Newsom-DeSantis debate is going to be must-see TV.
2: Um, you know, I don't think Gavin Newsom knows what he's getting himself into. Um, he's going to be looking across from a guy who stared terrorists in the eye, um, who spent six months in Iraq with bombs exploding everywhere as an advisor for the SEAL team who was a federal prosecutor who worked at Guantanamo Bay, um, who can think on his feet and is just so smart. Um, Again, I'm his former coach. I'm his friend. I'm very biased, not a big fan of Gavin Newsom. Um, But uh, I saw him on Hannity the other night and he was kind of likable even though. So I, who knows? Politics is is a strange game. It's stranger than basketball. It's stranger
0: than baseball, um, and it's so unpredictable. So uh, who knows? Hey, la- hey! Last thing, uh, Ivy League schools have not covered themselves in glory with this Hamas. Uh, executions, murders of uh, Israelis—they they have been at the focal point. A lot of people very critical. You obviously were at Yale for a long, long time. How do you react to what's going on at the Ivies?
2: I'm actually disappointed. I'm really disappointed. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I the first thing I did when this happened was I called every single one of my Jewish players um, to see if they were doing okay because some of them have. Family in Israel still or friends or whatever, one of them has become a rabbi and was actually in Israel when this happened, but he somehow got a flight to London and got out of there. But I've had friends uh, or or players who have friends over there still, and so I was worried about them and their well-being, so I gave them a call. The the anti-Semitism that has reared its ugly head in this country is really disappointing to me. It's really disappointing, and I and I I, I don't know. Uh, I just uh, it, it's really hard, and I've been disappointed at the bland, vanilla, gutless, um, you know, statements from various presidents uh, of universities. Um, and and I, I you know you you just have to condemn this kind of thing. There's not two sides to that of killing. 1300 you know on a, on a surprise attack and some are calling for a ceasefire like the squad's calling for a ceasefire so when Pearl Harbor happened with the squad have said hey let's have a ceasefire when 9-11 happened would they call for a ceasefire but then what you, what you got to realize is that if you add up the squad and you add up the IQ of every member of the squad you ain't hitting a 100 okay it, it, it ain't a hundred. It's kind of like the women on the View. If you add up all their IQs, you're not even close to a hundred. So I just—it's—it's just—it disappoints me uh, so much. Uh, what I think is anti-Semitism, and I—and uh, I—and uh, it—it uh, just—it really disappoints. Really
0: disappoints. Always love having you on, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on.
2: My pleasure. Hey, and uh, for anybody that sees this posted on Twitter. I'm not checking Twitter uh, after this, so, you know, whatever you want to write, go ahead and write it, because I'm not going to be reading.
0: I'll check Dan, it, I'll, I'll tell them, all to, them all to go F themselves. Was, How's that? Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks, brother. <laughs> thanks, John. That's thanks, John. John. Right. That's John, I'm John Stuper, big league pitcher uh, for a long time, head coach at Yale for a long time, great friend and former coach of Ron DeSantis. Look, I'm I'm all I'm a DeSantis guy. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean I think that this is the most important election of my lifetime. I honestly do. Maybe I'm overstating it, but I want somebody in there with some balls. If I mean I call it sack. Our family motto has always been sack up. Yeah you're hurt. My dad would go sack up. Can you sack up? Or no. Yeah it's okay. I'm good to go. Let's go. And I need we need somebody with some sack. We don't need somebody that's bought, sold and milk toast. I Look, DeSantis would be great. Trump would be great, at least what I see right now. I can't imagine Trump's going to be able to get that done. I mean, he's facing 91 counts. Maybe I'm too simple. Maybe I'm just like, damn, I don't want one count of nothing. It would make me crap my pants. But I'm all in on DeSantis, and I'm all in on Trump. I am I just can't stand the where our country is headed right now, and the anti-Semitism is out of control. I have a number of Jewish friends. I've told you this. My sister-in-law, Jewish. My nieces and nephews, Jewish. And they're hurting. They really are hurting. And you know what? Um, it's getting worse. When Michigan State is stupid enough to not check and have a picture of Hitler flying in full uniform, flying over their stadium during their game, not flying, but on the, on the jumbotron at their stadium, packed house against Michigan, you, it's inexcusable. I mean, good. Michigan State, okay, they apologize. Great. Yay, rod, Go fight win. But it's inexcusable. And the fact that they even allowed it doesn't surprise me because I think Michigan State's a cesspool of stuff. (laughs) Let me put it to you you that way. But anyway, so I'm all in on DeSantis. I would love to get him on the show at some point here. We probably will get that done. But anyway, uh, thanks to everybody for setting it up with John because John is absolutely. Fantastic. He gives opinions. He gives great opinions. He's brilliant. You know, you don't survive as a coach at Yale and not be pretty damn smart. And that's just the way it goes. All right. Let's get into some stock up and some stock down. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, the whole debate this year was about Justin Fields, wasn't it? And I fell into that trap. That's right. I fell into it. I said to you that Justin Fields is going to break, be the breakout star. All right. Tyson Bajent is the breakout star, at least the other day, where the Bears looked like a damn good football team. 21-29, 162. That's not going to put anybody in the Hall of Fame, but you know what? On time, on target, as Clay, our friend Clay Harbour said, former NFL player, now broadcaster, said, and he's right, on time, on target, lead your team. Be a teammate, do things right, don't try to do things you can't do. All the cliches that are, oh, oh, so prevalent right now. So, hey, stock up, man. The Rams, or excuse me, the Rams. The Raiders came in and got dusted, and they got dusted early. Foreman was terrific, but Baguette was absolutely the man who got it done for them, and good. good. Good, 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 good. My man Cashman says, hey, Dan, Hitler trivia at a football game right after the military flyover family fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, at the end of the day, I'll go back to Tyson. Hey, you know I love, you know I love, love, love Lamar Jackson. You know I do. I've expressed my love for Lamar Jackson. I like the fact that he was his own agent. I like the fact that he got his bag because, frankly, he's deserved his bag, unlike some of these others. See Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson deserved nothing and like it. Anyway, uh, Lamar Jackson, all he did yesterday, 21 to 27, 352 yards, 13 yards per reception, three touchdowns, no interceptions, rushed for another 36 yards, and it wasn't even that. Ladies and gentlemen, it was how he did it. It was how he got away. It was where he went. It was freaking awesome. Awesome to see. And I appreciated him more yesterday because, remember, this is against the kneecap bite, and I'll cut my PP off, whatever the hell else he says, Dan Campbell's defense. Really good team, we were told. Hell, Stephen A. Smith said his the best team in football. They did look like the best team in football. But, again, it's hard to handle success, so the Lions got whooped. And Lamar Jackson was absolutely tremendous yesterday in every area. All right. You got to flip the switch. And you got to say, I don't think stealing signs would have mattered on Saturday as Michigan went into the truck stop that is known as East Lansing and beat the living crap 49 to nothing out of the sorry ass Spartans. Michigan State might as well just disband the football season or at least hope and pray that when they play Indiana it doesn't end in a tie. That looks like the only win either of those teams is going to get. But you got to give Michigan Michigan credit. Michigan's quarterback JJ McCarthy looks like he is now or is actually the front runner for the Heisman. We've seen others falter. Look, the whole thing is going to come down to this. Michigan's got to play at Penn State and Michigan is going to have to Play Ohio State. And there you go. That's it. Because Michigan's schedule is not good. Michigan's schedule is so easy when you talk about teams at that level. Teams at that level should have to play somebody after somebody after somebody. Michigan State has basically played nobody. Then they played somebody. I don't know. Who the hell have they played? They have played anybody. But you know what? They did play their rival. And they smoked them. I mean, they beat them. There's a saying that I'm not gonna use because maybe somewhere, somehow, somebody gets offended, but everybody gets offended by everything, so what the hell. All right, Debo Samuels, stock down, Debo. Who, by the way, I don't know if you did know this, Debo Samuels was named after Debo from Friday. He was. He's out at least two games, man. He's got a hairline fracture in his shoulder. He gone. Uh uh, uh, uh. That ain't good. I don't know why we're mad at him. Did he do something else? I know he's out at least two games. I was trying to look and see, did he say something stupid? Are we angry at him? Or are we just not happy that he's got a hairline fracture? If we're not happy that he's got a hairline fracture, I'm cool with it. But hey. A lot of guys are hurt this time of year. Hopefully, he comes back and hopefully he plays well. Yeah, that's right. I said it and I meant it. But I like Debo Samuel. I think, I, I told you this, when uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted Travis NTN, I thought it was a great draft pick because he was going to be Debo Samuel's like. He can run it a little bit inside, he can catch it, he can line him out wide, he can break it. Pretty good. Uh, USC and Caleb Williams are starting to give me gas. Nah, that's a lie. They do give me gas. And the only thing I want gas for is the mowing league. That's all. Joe Kinsey and the boys of nightcaps and their mowing league, they sent me this nice uh, Yeti. I don't know what it was a Yeti. I don't know what the hell it is. But anyway, it keeps my water cold. And if I'm drinking vodka in the afternoon, who's to know? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, long story short, I've had enough of Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was supposed to be the main guy, but you know what Caleb Williams appears to be? A guy that can't handle success. Won the Heisman Trophy, great award. Along with the Heisman Trophy comes commercials in that Heisman house. Fantastic. Wendy's commercials, uh, awesome. Yay, rock. Go fight, win. Caleb Williams has not been able to handle success. And frankly, he's kind of being a baby about it. I mean, he is. He's being a baby. See, Caleb Williams and daddy... They left Oklahoma, and they went out to USC. No one's going to blame them. No one's going to blame them. I mean, it is what it is. Okay, and Emmanuel something, Acho or ako uh, he says he should sit out the rest of the year. I do it, man. I Do it. I, who cares? I mean, at this point, I don't know if anybody would even miss him. They've lost two games. He's supposed to be the number one pick. He's supposed to be all this kind of good. So they're saying, hey, look. It would be fiscally responsible not to play. Then don't play. Seriously, don't play. I mean, at some point, I do believe we, I think, are getting a little tired of the entitled athlete. I think, I don't know about you, but I think that this, well, I want to own the team. Well, I want to do this. Well, I No. I mean, we will take it to a certain level, and this doesn't mean this doesn't isn't just me being an old guy. I mean, anybody with any common sense would sit there and say, yeah, we don't need this. What are we talking about? Seriously. All right, Caleb Williams, 24 of 34, 256 yards against the Utes. 27 yards rushing in a touchdown. He's still second in the country in touchdown passing. All right, they've lost back-to-back games. But it still only has only one conference loss. And with games against Oregon and Washington left on the schedule, they can get to the Pac-12 game. I don't think anybody, let me put this to rest, I don't think anybody in the NFL would care even a little bit if Caleb Williams sat out the rest of the year. If he's the number one pick, in fact, then he's going to be the number one pick. I don't think there is one single guy on one single stat. well, there might be one guy, that would give a rat's ass because no sport in my opinion, among its, among, except for the Colts, because the Colts like cap space and great drafts, but nobody, and I mean nobody, cares more about winning than NFL guy. Uh, lastly, stock down, look, the NFL officiating has been awful for a while. I'm not saying going back 10, 15, 20 years that the NFL officiating was perfect, but the NFL made a conscious effort three, four years ago to get younger, to get more diverse, to get more women. You notice what I didn't say there, to hire the best. And you can be offended by me saying more diverse, or you can be offended by me saying younger, or you can be offended by me saying more women. And that's on you. That's not on me. It's what they did. They were very, very public with their union and everything else. This is what we're going to do. So they got rid of a bunch of old white dudes and some African-American dudes in an effort to get younger. All right. How's that worked out? Tell you how it's worked out. I don't think I've ever seen NFL officiating scrutinized this harshly. I don't think I've ever seen NFL officiating this bad. I feel like every year I start out the year talking about too many penalties. I feel like I do that. And then it kind of goes uh, terrible. And then the NFL kind of starts putting their best crews on the biggest games and forgets about making sure it all evens out. And then it gets better. But I'm going to give you some numbers. 52% have less than 10 years used to be like 5% had less than 10 years. You used to have to go 25 years before you got in the league. Now, 8 to 10 is the norm of experience. Now, think about this. 8 to 10 years. So the first few years, you might be doing JV football. The next couple years, maybe you do varsity football. So you're already at four, five, six years. And then maybe you go to college for three or nine years, and you're already in the NFL? Uh-uh. Not the way it goes. Guys used to have to come up the ranks, high school, get someone to see you, end up in a small college group. Then you go to a mid-mate. Then you go to the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the SEC or whatever. And then if you so desire, you go become an NFL official. Now, 8 to 10 years, I don't have to tell you. You all are smart enough to understand this. But 8 to 10 years, that goes quick, particularly when you're just starting out. That's from start time to get into the league. Don't argue with me. These are facts. This is an opinion. I, I don't care who referees the game. Just be good. Just be the best so we get the best effort. I could give a rat's ass if you're all black, all white, all woman, all lesbian, all transgender. I can care less. Don't matter to me. But when you're so freaking awful, you got to start asking questions. What the hell's going on here? And what's going on here is exactly what I'm telling you. It used to be now 37% of NFL officials have less than five years experience. I don't want to tell you. And then they're arrogant as hell. Guy told one of my buddies who was in the NFL for 25 years, and it took him 24 years to get there. He said, man, you must not have been very good. What took you so long? A lot of stupid in this world, and don't think just because NFL refs wear uh, stripes that they ain't among the stupid, the arrogant, the entitled. They certainly are. Because make no mistake, why do you think that Hockley guy pumped up his arms so that he would look good on TV? Don't at me. Don't ever at me. Hey, I got a gymnast that retired at Utah, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. I want your opinion on what I'm gonna say next. You may not like what I'm gonna say next about this. You may not. Be right back. We'll be right back. Gotta take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I just saw a tweet from a friend of mine, mine, Calvin Fitch, in response. It was from Geo Baker, a former player at Rutgers, where he said he was quoting uh, Steve Peichel. Steve Peiko would say to his players, nothing good happens after midnight. That's what coaches say, but I got to tell you. I used to tell my players, yeah, I don't know, man. I had a lot of great stuff happen to me after midnight. I did. I mean, now I'm in bed by 10. But I'm not going to lie. When I was a basketball player at Indiana, we didn't get serious about the night until midnight. We didn't go out until like 10, 11 o'clock. I mean, we were pre-gaming or we were napping or maybe we were actually studying on a Friday, to get the stuff done. And Then, if the, we were out of the season, 10 o'clock hit and we were like, where are we going? And, of course, 10 o'clock becomes midnight. I was always one of those guys that didn't want to go home. I didn't want the night to end. So, I'd sneak over to the after party. And those of you that have listened to my show know that I have a saying, always follow someone wearing a cape. That's right, Dylan. That's right, Ryan and both Nick's and Brooke. Always follow somebody wearing a cape. I'll tell you why. I came out of the Bluebird. Big weekend, I don't know, football weekend when I was a senior. We were drinking out of Dr. Bop Singer, uh, the Melendez sisters. And those of you that know who Dr. Bop is, you know who Mimi and Hula Melendez were. We were on the stage. Now, the stage was this big. We were next to it. In fact, we had ringing in our ears because the speakers were banging it's kind of an interesting night. My brother was peeing on a guy on the dance floor. One of my buddies got a DUI that night. It was insanity. But the night when the bar closed and the Valendez sisters and Yuki Penafor and Dr. Bob stopped playing, I don't know, 1, 2 o'clock, I wasn't ready to go home because, frankly, I was never ready to go home. So I go outside. There's a big crowd. I see a guy in a cape. In a cape. Dude's wearing a cape. I'm like, this guy would be interesting. So I left all my buddies. I followed this guy. The bluebird behind it was a neighborhood. There was neighborhoods. So I followed him into some house. It was a scene out of Caligula. I fit right in. It was one of the great nights. I couldn't tell you anybody's name. I couldn't pick anybody out of a lineup. And nobody knew me, which frankly, not to brag, was rare at Indiana University, and it still is. But I had a great night. Unbelievable time. Now, I don't do hard drugs, never have smoked dope, never have taken drugs. It wasn't that kind of, but there was a lot going on. So I've always said, ladies and gentlemen, follow people wearing capes. Not Halloween capes. Forget about that. I'm talking about just in general. I'm still sad. I was doing a Syracuse game. It was the middle of the afternoon. This beautiful girl, Lee was messing around with me. She was like, you know, she had a boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful girl, middle of the afternoon, wearing a cape. I couldn't follow her. Number one, it was been weird. And number two, as a the middle of the day, and I had a game in about two hours. So I got my sandwich, and I went to the game. But I regret not following that girl with a cape just to see, just to see where this might have taken. Hey, it might have ended with me being shot. It might have ended up me in cuffs, good or bad cuffs. You know what I'm saying? Maybe kind of a little furry or maybe the cold steel of some wrist iron. But, hey, I regret it. I'm not going to lie. I know, I know, I know. All right, so I I woke up at 4.30 this morning. True story. Couldn't sleep. I woke up. I went, finished up my laundry. This is true. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go work out. So I come down here and I get on the Peloton for 30 minutes and this story comes up about for whatever the reason, on WRTV, it was the local news, but it was like a national segment. And so this young gymnast comes on and I got to tell you from Utah, I'm watching, I'm seeing what's going on here and I'm thinking to myself, I think you're full of crap. I do. And and I know I'm wrong. I know we're all supposed to side with the gymnast who is apparently, uh, I guess, this woman is retired, verbal and emotional abuse. Do you know, I'm not blaming her. I'm sure she felt that. But one thing I would say as a coach, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. And everybody knows this, but everybody's afraid to say it is to say verbal and emotional abuse. How do you quantify it? I mean, I don't know. Verbal and emotional My physical, mental, and emotional health is rapidly declined. I was seeing a university psychologist. Well, everybody sees a university psychologist. Now, here's the deal. Um, I'm sure the coach was wrong. I'm sure I was wrong. I'm sure Bob Knight was wrong. I get it. But you know what? You can always blame someone else. And if you didn't like it, it's pretty simple. You can just leave. Now, nobody should have to leave, and a coach should be better, but coaches aren't perfect. You know, they're talking about he would get in people's face, he would throw things. All right. Okay. I'm not saying that she's wrong, but I will tell you, and everybody knows this, you know, the easiest thing – well, the easiest thing now is to call somebody a racist. But the easiest thing with coaches – is verbal and emotional abuse. And everybody goes, yeah, oh, yeah, that coach got to be a bad guy. I don't know whether he is or not. I don't know. And then, of course, this morning, Sally Jenkins, if we've learned anything, we have to believe the athletes. Well, what are we believing? The coach yelled and screamed? Okay. Uh, I guess. Um, All right. Loud and angry outbursts that he cursed. Okay. Happened in individual coach-athlete meeting. All right. Okay. Uh, One administrator denied there was any abuse. You two are like oil and water. You just don't get along. To say I was shocked would be an under... I mean, all right. You know, universities hire people, so they're responsible for them. So if the guy's an abuser, you got to get him out of there. But again, you know what? It just depends on what level. They felt, I guess there was a report, an investigation, that the coach didn't reach the level of abuse. You never know. And don't for a second, don't, for, don't tell me. Now, you can tell other people, but don't tell me that sometimes athletes don't like the coach, and in this world, they're out to get him. I'm not saying this athlete is. I'm just saying that the easiest thing to say about a coach and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Sally Jenkins or, I mean, I asked Lee, and she goes, oh, boy, easiest thing to say. It is. It is. I mean, you come here for real. I mean, if you want listen to all women, if you want listen to all athletes, I'm not the guy. But as a former assistant of mine said, everything's verbal abuse if you want to make it verbal abuse. I hope the girl, I hope the young lady gets help. I hope she's fine. I, sh- I hope she finds another program. Hope she doesn't retire. She's only 20 years old. Talented gal uh, a- a Olympic alternate, which is what I get my wife was. Uh so she understands this better than me, but every time we bring this up, her sh- I go to her cuz dudes are different. And I, I I had 15 eight no 24 years. I had a women's basketball camp and I love coaching girls cuz I coach them a thousand times different hard. But with a little bit of not the same way, just the way the world works. Alex Rodriguez doesn't understand why the Yankees haven't retired his number 13. It bothers me. Of course, it bothers me. It's less about bother But of course, it would be nice to be recognized in one of the coolest places to be in Yankees history, but that's not my decision. I'm sure A-Rod is a good dude, but it, it should bother people that he's a liar. It should bother people how much he has lied over the years. It should bother them that, hey, look, I don't know, man. Uh, why are we doing all this lying? Why are you lying about your brother? Why are, you lying about, why are you lying about who gave you the roids, your cousin? Why are you always lying? I mean, wouldn't that be – I mean, I wouldn't put him in there just because of the lion, just because of the roids. I would be curious if anyone in the Yankees' ring of honor out there in left center, I think it is, uh, used roids or was it convicted of using roids. Maybe Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit came out ahead of it. It was pretty smart. Nobody remembers that he did it. Um, I don't know. But, I look, I, I always – it's hard for me because I do work here. We are part of Fox. We are part of Fox News. But I got to tell you, every time I watch him, I turn the channel. I do. I'm sorry. You cannot – he is in a unique position of having been arguably the biggest cheat of his time. And has now the biggest voice of his time in baseball. It's astounding to me. It's amazing to me. And it amazes damn near every baseball person I know. We got to get Rob Dibble back on. I got to get Rob to talk about it. Drives him nuts. And it should. He's not the only one. I know a lot of baseball analysts. And I don't know one that thinks it's a great idea. So, hey, I get it. He also said he thought his broadcast career hurts. Not like he's all that polarizing. I mean, he's creepy. He's polished. He's like fake, but not like he's all that polarizing and everybody goes, oh my God, did you hear what A-Rod said? I don't know. Uh, remember last week we talked to you about the Arkansas offensive coordinator, Dan Enos? He knows. Well, this guy decided it was going to be a good idea after Arkansas would get his brains beat out to respond back to students using his personal email. And you know what happens when you do that, of course. Well, students then post it online and you look like a dummy. Well, Dan Ennis has been fine. Dan Ennis is the offensive coordinator of Arkansas. Arkansas was god-awful in a loss this weekend to Mississippi State, costing me, ladies and gentlemen, a massive massive parlay. So I ain't mad at Ennis Ennis gone. I'm not happy he's gone, but I ain't mad about it either. And I got to tell you, if you're not if you're if you're going to score 3 points, then you probably should be gone. Period. So this is what Ennis gets to go away. Total of 2.8 million as a coordinator. 1.1 through this year, 1.7 Next year, 1.75. Don't forget the five. That's 50 grand. So there you go. Six straight loss. Remember, we all like Sam Pittman. He's big old boy drinking beers, hanging with his wife, fishing, eating chickens. Well, it ain't so cute when you're getting your ass beat, is it? Of course it isn't. It is not. Here's a surprise to no one. Draymond Green is chicken blank. Oh, I'm shocked by that. Gee whiz. Remember the chicken blank putt or punch that Draymond Green levied against his teammate in practice, and everybody made excuses for him, mostly the gutless Golden State Warriors. Do you remember that? It was vicious. He did it to a kid named Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole was not expected to be laid out. Maybe Jordan Poole had a big mouth. Maybe somebody might say that he had a something coming, but certainly not that. Well, apparently there was a, t- a chance for a dinner, a peace dinner. And, of course, Draymond Green said no. Of course, Draymond Green would not have the guts, guts, to ever, ever, ever sit down and face somebody like that. Never would have had the guts to have to explain his action. What Draymond Green does is just talk. I know the kind. You just talk more, talk more, talk more, and it's all a front. I mean, serious conversation can't be had. Apology, hell no. He makes hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, people actually listen to his dumb ass, his dumb Michigan State ass. So long story short, he don't have to sit down with Jordan Poole. I actually like both guys. I liked Draymond Green. He was my go-to quote guy when I used to have to schlep over to Michigan State to watch their ridiculous midnight practice. So I'd interview Green. He'll talk. Well, now, of course, he's not going to sit down because it was a cowardly move done by really a bully slash coward. I don't think anybody should be surprised. I don't think anybody should be mad. I don't. I really, really don't. I do like this. NFL teams are saying, all right, or the NFL is saying, all right, enough. Enough of the fighting. We've had enough of the stupidity before games. You guys want to act like idiots before games? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to potentially take draft picks from your team. Now, most players would not care about that. Most would be like, yeah, I don't care. What do I care? You take draft picks. Hell, a draft pick's just going to replace me. So it's kind of a stupid idea, right? I mean, who wants to be on a team and be the starting safety? And next thing you know, the second-round pick is a starting safety or a safety. Who wants that. If you ask veterans on teams what they would like is eliminate the draft. Nobody comes in. Keep free agency because it's a chance to make money. But no new blood. I'm here, give me my five to ten years. So the NFL, I see what they're doing here, but as always, you gotta find the real the loophole. And the loophole is, hey man, let's go out and start a fight. Maybe we'll lose three picks. Be on the team next year. will be a little easier. No one drafted guy's gonna beat me out, but a first rounder that they're paying, huh, that's a problem. I ain't mad about it. Uh I don't know what to make of this. There is a Major League player named Danny Serafini. I remember Danny Serafini. He has been arrested in connection to a 2001, 2021 killing and attempted murder of elderly of his elderly in-laws. Look, I don't know about this. This is crazy to me. What would I, the, the interesting thing would be to get somebody that knew this guy and say, hey, wait, did you ever imagine? Because I'm telling you right now, there are some guys that you'd be like, yeah, don't surprise me. I had a guy in my neighborhood murdered a little girl, stabbed her 33 times in the empty lot behind our house. I'm like, oh man. I always thought he was too whacked out, drugged up high, that kind of thing, to ever be violent because he used to walk around our neighborhood when it was hot out with no shirt, no shoes, and a guitar and his pants sagging halfway down his ass. Ended up, the little girl said something to him, I don't know, and he got a screwdriver, stabbed her 33 times right in the empty lot behind my house. It was gruesome, horrible. Dude's still in the can, and he should be forever. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, Indiana freshman, and I'm going to talk about this coming up here at 11 o'clock on Two Big Brains with my buddy. We go we go local. We just talk local. Uh, two Big Brains. But uh, this freshman kid at in Indiana has been, well, arrested for doing what? Refusing to leave a Taco Bell parking lot at like 2.15 in the morning. Now, the interesting thing for me was, apparently, maybe they didn't have the toxicology back, but unless it's happened in the last two hours, I haven't seen a toxicology where this dude was hammered. Maybe he just needed a fourth meal. Maybe he was a little bound up and he needs something to clean the pipes. But apparently this idiot decided to go to the McDonald's, or the Taco Bell, get belligerent in the drive-thru line, start cussing out employees where they're like, hey, look, we don't need this we're calling the cops. Cops say, man, you got to move. So he moves, parks in the parking lot, and the employee's like, you got to get this guy out of here. So he won't leave. He leaves. He comes back. He parks somewhere else. Cops like, all right, we're done with you. He won't roll down his window. Finally, they smash the window. Then he won't get cuffed. So finally they cuff him. They take him down, give him a couple misdemeanor charges. Well, if I know anything about Mike Woodson, I know anything about Indiana, the guy will get an extra year of eligibility and probably more NIL money. There'll be some kind of idiotic apology, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't think he was in the wrong. Maybe he didn't get enough hot sauce. I don't know. Maybe the chalupa wasn't cooked to his liking. Maybe they said, hey, we're closed. Get the hell out of here. It's 2.30. I don't know. But anyway, this is why you never, with Indiana University men's basketball, ever make predictions on how the season's going to go until Halloween is over. There's something about that campus, it wasn't there when I was there, but there's something there now that makes people crazy. It just does. Woke a dope me. Give me the dope. (laughs) Well, they kind of are. At least there's no hole in in the barbed wire that they're in. I mean, the Southern border is like, hey. Come on. It isn't the damn border patrol's fault. It's the frickin' policy. But I do agree. These things are saran-wrapped, airtight, with a little bit of a netting around them. That is more. In fact, if you put this around the southern border, I think Biden and his crew would get mad and start suing you. Remember Texas put those flotation things out there? Biden administration got pissed. Morons. Next! Oh, man. There he is. Look at this. Hey, look, I ain't mad at you for being tired. No, I'm not. No, I mean, look, Every anybody that is running for president, is president, should be tired. But you shouldn't be president 80 years old. I mean, look, I understand why nobody wants to run for president. I get it. But the fact of the matter is, if you're 80-some years old and... You know, your brain's gone. You can't pick up your feet. You're shuffling along. We got to get you the kitty stairs. You just shouldn't be present. We should be able to get better than that. Now, I say that, and I think to myself, who the hell wants that job? Honest to God, who in the hell wants that one? I mean, although, if you look, you make a lot of money. Apparently, now, allegedly, our guy, Jolton Joe Biden, paid $2.5 million, uh, million cash for a Rehoboth beach house. Cash. Dude's salary 171 million when he bought it, or 171 thousand when he bought it. Somehow he paid cash for it. I, don't ask me. I'm just. I'm. Don't shoot the messenger. Next, how the cashier looks at me after trying to bankrupt me over a bag of groceries. Seriously, it. You know what? Every cashier should wear a Joe Biden head, like you know how Lee Corso puts a head on, and just remind us all. That 81 or 84 million of you were stupid enough to vote for that man. You know, I had eggs this morning. My daughter's here and I, I worked out. I knew she'd be getting up and working out. So I made eggs. I made six eggs, scrambled them up, put a little sausage in there, you know. And at first time, I'm thinking, man, how much does this meal cost? <laughs> Jeez. just trying to have some eggs. It's all a little sausage, maybe a little gouda. Pretty solid breakfast. 372 bucks for the eggs. Hey, great day today. Appreciate everybody. Brooke, Nick, Nick, Ryan, Dylan. Brooke, I got to start shouting you out. You were sensational, I'm telling you. I'm going by way of jolting Joe Biden. I can feel it. The brain is going to mush. It is. Holy hell. All right, thanks everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow.